other side of the news is the current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus to bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire is to awaken your imagination with questions, questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. Good morning, good night, and good evening. I am Timothy Saunders, one of your co-hosts on this 22nd edition of The Other Side of the News. I'm speaking to you this morning from southwest Turkey, which for many of you is on the other side of the globe. I'll soon be joined by co-host and producer Kintia, together with co-host and residential researcher Anneke Driscoll, who I believe are being slowly grilled while surrounded by multiple forest fires in California. This show is entitled, Testing Positive. For what? As we continue to live in this seemingly dystopian parallel universe, which is governed by a new set of rules, for many, this reality may already seem to last a lifetime. And yet it remains in its infancy as the Northern Hemisphere enters fall and winter. It would not surprise me if what we see happening in Australia and New Zealand are telltales for what is to come north of the equator over the next six months. Relatively speaking, these rules have only been on our horizon for a few weeks or months, depending on where you live, which is much less than a blink of an eye when we compare this with even the mainstream version of human history. Boris Johnson, the UK's prime puppet, went on record this week to say we should be less wet. I believe one could go a great deal further to criticize the woke generation for bending over and basically applying their own lubricant, which when it comes to handing over the keys to their sovereignty. More than at any other time, it is necessary to wake up feeling positive and remain fortified, to stand up for what we believe in, to focus our attention on co-creating a future that is not only acceptable, but perfect for us and for our children. These rules are illogical often hypocritical, some are not even based on science, while many are in direct conflict with each other and with our human rights. The far more logical conclusion is these rules have been brought in to support and justify a tyrannical agenda and to cause cognitive dissonance with the masses. The good news is, as mainstream and social media continue to report the various governments aim to tighten control, despite very few deaths. 
I believe this and the increase in mainstream censorship are in fact positive acknowledgements that many more people are waking up to realize this pandemic is a fraud. This week, I had the pleasure to watch two very important podcasts from two strong-minded and well-respected individuals. While both podcasts originate from different types of doctor, what these noble individuals do have in common is they are smart, they are brave, and they speak the truth. On hearing their controversial and cutting-edge presentations, we straightaway made a global search to contact them. I'm delighted to report both have accepted our invitation to appear as special guests on the other side of the news this week and next. Amanda Dawn Vollmer is our special guest this evening to share her groundbreaking discovery about how chromosome 8 seems to be what the RT-PCR test is targeting. This may finally explain why this totally inappropriate test is being used worldwide to fuel the ongoing case-demic. I very much look forward to hearing our guest's perspective regarding another one of the minorities' foundation stones under this pandemic fraud agenda, all with a view to illuminate the best path to lead us to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofmidnight.com. Kindly scroll down to tonight's white, The Other Side of the News show banner. There you will see details for this show, quick links to our bios, as well as links to our show items, references, and selected research. As usual, there's a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to watch them sooner than later, as censorship bots are working around the clock to rewrite our history in real time. As we positively encourage our listeners to co-create a better future, you'll find the call-in telephone number below tonight's banner. If you have a burning question or perhaps would like to share an important feet on the ground observation, please dial plus one if you're outside of North America, followed by 917-889-8802. You will come through to our sound engineer in the control tower, Keith Morgan, who will guide you onto our runway and then into the air. One gentle reminder, when you hear the show through your telephone, please switch off your radio, laptop, iPad, or other listening device to avoid an unpleasant feedback loop. During the last seven revolutions around the axis of our planet, we have once again seen many remarkable events in the news. Each topic raised and their backstory could easily fill up one show by itself. Further, we have seen authorities attempt to intensify their policing of useless mask wearing and antisocial distancing while being frog-marched along the ramp to mandatory vaccination. This seems to directly affect a certain type of demographic, an increase in frightened people trying to maintain their grip of control in a very dynamic world. As Tempest Fugit, I have the perception the pendulum swings forward faster than it swings back to a propped-up previous normal. I believe it is time to fully embrace a new and better world by design, but our design, rather than to repair one that had become badly flawed long ago. I was personally threatened this week by an individual on social media after I gently suggested some alternative information. This information and this individual 
who is clearly and erroneously empowered by mainstream programming, informed me, I'm exactly the type of person her group is looking for to report to the police. It continues to amaze me how some people become so defensive in an attempt to maintain their delusion. To focus on our similarities rather than our differences, I share her concern about the current status of the world. This is exactly why I go out of my way to seek real truth from independent sources. I would highly recommend everyone take responsibility and make their own independent research to look beyond mainstream propaganda and beyond colluding fact checkers. It really is essential to empower yourself with the truth for your sake and for the sake of your children. Despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you'll see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, and activists who are wide awake and are already making a great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream media propaganda, to make your own independent research, to stop acquiescing, and to stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Amanda Dawn Volmer, our guest, is such an individual, and I look forward to her joining us shortly. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Aneta. How are you? Rare, medium, or well done? How's it going? <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. Happy to be here. Yes. Smoking. Well, okay. Well, yeah. I'm actually smoking about what's happening down in Australia. That's what's smoking my my perception right now. Um, huh. I'm happy what? to be here, but I, I, I just learned this afternoon that in Victoria, Australia, they they have gone beyond beyond Big Brother. It is it's shocking. They have locked up the entire uh, area, and they only allow one person at a time to leave their home. Elderly that are dying, the families are not allowed to visit each other. The fines are going up to $20,000, $200 if you're not wearing a mask. Unemployment has soaring. Suicides are going up. Schools are all closed. It's shocking. I, I'm just like amazed that the world is not like responding. It's like robocops are taking over the whole area. And I never imagined I would ever see this. That's how shocked I am. Just never imagined I would ever see this. So I'm smoking hot about that. Well, I kind of mentioned that in, in my opening, that because, of course, they're on the Southern Hemisphere, they're you know, at a different stage of the season than we are and uh, in a different position relative to the sort of the flu cycle, I guess, the natural flu cycle that may come. So in a way, I, I, something I've, I've overheard, uh, I'd like to discuss this later if, if it's relevant, is that because they're in a different stage of the, the flu cycle and also as both New Zealand and Australia are countries which, are, which do not have written constitutions, similar to the UK, uh, they may well be like test countries to see how far they can push the limits. And it sounds like exactly the people are being tested to the limits right now. Mm-hmm. I also have sense that it has something to do with China because they're so close. I've got, got an, an uneasy feeling about that. Very uneasy. Well, the other thing is, is that, you know, they're, they are, um, 
pushing really, really hard. I think that Timothy is probably correct in seeing how far you can push them before they'll turn on you. Um, there's a lot of a lot of protesting going on, not like in the U.S. that's most likely financed, but some real protesting going on. Um, and you know, and people are really fighting back. I didn't have time to research it because I just it just it came to me too late, like right before the show. But I thought, you know what? There's there are laws, and these are laws, not mandates, which a law will trump a mandate any day of the week. And that is that there are laws about covering your face if you're over 16 years old out in public because it's considered a threat. Because, you know, you can't identify, like, bank robbers. You know, that's why they used to cover their faces and stuff. And I thought, well, wait a minute. There's a law that says you can't wear a mask, and now there's a mandate that says you must wear a mask. My, my main question about all this is why is no one standing up, including, I mean, if I was in Australia, I'd be hopping, you know, mad. Maybe they're, they're so totalitarian that they've, people are terrified. But I'm also wondering why this um, guy, I can't remember his name, all of a sudden I'm having a blank, but the, the leader of uh, Victoria there, you know, why is he – why is he still alive? I mean, really, if they were doing something like that here, I don't think the guy would live through it. And just saying, it's really drastic what they're doing. So I think it's a test. Right. And you can see the list of what they're doing in my item number eight. You will be shocked. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a look at that while, uh, while the show is on X. I, I... For me, it's very early in the morning, so I, I have not actually had a chance to check your, your things yet, but um, I certainly will through the show. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So and what else stuff, is new? Well, there's this stuff going on in Belarus, um, which is interesting. You know, they're trying to make it look like it's just about a rigged presidential election, but I don't think from what it looks like that's all that's going on there. But, you know, Again, how much news can we get that's not through the mainstream media and how edited is it? But there definitely is revolt going on. Um, in Germany, we've had a huge uprising, and they, you know, they're trying to make it illegal to have a protest to gather. And um, this is something where in the United States we have that, that constitutional right, but there's a bunch of little loopholes they've built into legislation that may kind of strip that away from us. So you know, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky territory right now. Similar in, in the UK, I, I saw that there is a, a protest or if it's actually planned or, or suggested, whichever way it is, but uh, I saw some information about it and uh, there was certainly straight away a question saying, well, will it go ahead? Uh, I think it was in uh, Trafalgar Square in London. Uh, so I guess we'll see. But, um, you know, this is, this is the age we're living where an information, information comes to the headline and literally in real time, the sensor bots are changing it or adapting it or giving it a bad smell or a bad taste or a bad twist, whatever it is to deter people from, from, you know, encouraging it. And, uh, you know, th- this is why I say it, it's so important to, to do our own research and to just carry out and do what we believe in, what we believe is right. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying go lawless. I'm not saying break windows. I'm not saying become aggressive or whatever, but the point is we need to carry things through. Otherwise, you know, I think our freedom just going to slip away. Well, well, yes. well, go ahead, Anetta. Yeah, well, I was just going to say with the, the whole thing with um, the censorship, I remember 
uh, distinctly when this whole thing started, which was you know, in California, was earlier than most states, and it was really weird. I mean, we're used to tons of traffic out here and stuff like that. I got I, I was I was on the way to get some food, and I hadn't realized they closed down all the restaurants. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm driving, and I'm hearing on the radio, which is the only time I actually listen to it in the car, and that's very rare even then. But I remember hearing, it's like they were announcing that Facebook was going to delete any posts that would try to organize a protest or try, you know, any, any kind of um, thing that they considered, uh, well, I don't know, whatever, however they just, they deemed it that it was no A as a post. And then, and then they said the YouTube was saying how they would, uh, send, they, they openly came out and said that they were going to, you know, do the censorship. And I was like, wow. And why isn't anybody saying or doing anything with this? Because, you know, here we are, this righteous indignation about communist China and how they censor and all that. But when it's happening right here, right now, no one's doing anything with it. Or not no one. I mean, some of us are trying. But you know what I mean? It wasn't, there isn't this outrage, and I don't understand that. Well, and that. I'd like to add that in Australia they will arrest you if you're planning a protest, not even that you've done it yet. If you're planning a protest, they will arrest you. So that's pre-crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, police I really, enter in your home without a warrant. Yeah. See, that's the problem with not having a constitution. It's an uh, issue. I mean, we, we have some pretty strong protection in the United States, but the rest of the world, not so much. You know, Canada doesn't even have a constitution that was ever ratified, so this is an issue. Oh, yeah. Well, I think this is a good time to turn our attention to our guest because she has volumes of insight and information that we definitely want to glean from and be inspired by. So if I may, I'd like to introduce her. Uh, Amanda Dawn Vollmer holds a degree of Doctor of Naturopathic Medicine from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto and a Bachelor of Science in Agricultural Biotechnology. Most of her life, Amanda has taken a keen interest in botanical medicine, self-educating on the topic many years before attaining her formal medical training. Amanda also sought answers via the energetic healing arts and became a registered Reiki practitioner and teacher, among other modalities. After much scholarly and independent study, Amanda's passion for the elegant and effective submolecular medicine, known as homeopathy, brought her to the study brought her to study in India under Rajan Sankaran. Amanda volunteered for intensive medical program in northern India, shadowing cardiologists, obstetricians, Ayurvedic practitioners, and homeopathic doctors alike. Amanda is the author of Healing with DMSO, a science-backed guide that will help you understand how DMSO works, why it works, and the many ways you can harness its power to heal your aches, pains, and other ailments, all in an easy-to-read and friendly way. So, Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank Hi. you so much for having me. It's great to, uh, to be with We're you. We're delighted, delighted to have you here. here. 
Well, thank you. It's uh, great to be here. Well, I've, I've been listening, listening to, to several, several of your podcasts, podcasts. Yeah. and yeah. very, very much surprised at the broad scope of your work. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I first was introduced to you through the chromosome eight, which we will talk about a little later. But what caught my attention as I'm going through and looking through your materials is you mentioned about the ritual around vaccination, and I hadn't heard anyone else touch on that topic. And I'm curious how you came to discover that and and what your take is on it. Well, I'm uh, just trying to put my headphones in so we don't get some echo here, uh, but they don't seem to be registering. Um, Well... So, so how, sorry, I missed your question because I was. Oh, I was saying that's all right. That's all right. I was saying that in perusing through your materials, I came across some information about the rituals surrounding vaccines. And I had, I've heard a lot about vaccines, but this was the first time I had been introduced to that idea of it. And I'm wondering how you came across it and, and what's your take, if you would share that with our audience. So how I came across the problem of vaccines? The ritual, the ritualistic aspect of it. Well, (laughs) I began to study uh, human behavior a little bit more because I was trying to figure out why people were asking, uh, you know, sorry, technical thing for a second. The people were that I was meeting were very narcissistic, and I was wondering about those behaviors. And then I started to realize a lot about cults. I started to study cults, um, how cults are forming, why there are people who uh, gravitate towards cults, because I met someone who had um, a run-in with a specific cult, and it got my interest, um, caught my interest. So I started looking at that very closely and diligently. Um, and I always saw that narcissists were usually at the head, at the head of the cults. And then I started to think about how the behavior on the macro is similar to it on the micro, how we're seeing governments acting in similar ways, uh, narcissistic behavior, um, sensational behavior, using lies, using the fake smile, um, love bombing, um, using fear tactics, using gaslighting and manipulation. I started to see it in a whole bunch of industries, actually. I started to see the connections in the medical establishment, um, doctors telling their clients or patients if they don't vaccinate, their kids are going to die or saying things um, that were pretty uh, rude or saying, oh, your child could not have possibly had a vaccine reaction, you're, you're delusional, um, that kind of thing. So, that's gaslighting. That's basically what narcissists do. They make your their victims feel like they're crazy for feeling what they feel. Um, so that uh, got me pondering about how the the medical establishments run like a cult. Um, and then I realized that their products are also um, basically sold to us through that filter, and therefore cannot be trusted because how can you trust this, the seller of the item when they're um, not in their integrity? So it, it kind of came from all of this looking at how human behavior was um, on the macro and the micro and how these institutions were structured in their hierarchical fashion and how you have to um, really uh, appease the higher ups in this um 
type of, of uh, fashion. So seeing it in science, seeing it in research, seeing it kind of dipped everywhere. So then that's how really I put it together. And then I was on a couple of radio shows talking about it. And I was actually, actually did write a book. I haven't published it, but I did write the book uh, comparing the medical establishment to a uh, narcissistically run cult, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's important to see that. I mean, there's so much that's covert. And the more it's exposed, the easier it will be to purge ourselves of these Mm. Hidden, hidden agendas. I really appreciate that you brought that forward. And yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, understanding a lot of the history and how the structure was built in to just obey orders rather than to be um, respected for your ideas and feel like you're an individual part of a community that has something to share. Um, rather than this hierarchical fashion where you're looking up to somebody, maybe you even would uh, be their their student, like a philosopher, for example. You know, you would study under them. They're almost like your god. And mm-hmm. then they would die, and then you would continue on with their work rather than really doing your own work. Um, and it becomes more like belief uh, or dogma rather than pure science, and it's really easy to get into that um, way of thinking, right? Where you just take someone's word for it or you turn someone into a guru and so you put them on a different level than you just because, you know, they had some ideas that they put together and they were passionate about it or they had charisma because narcissists usually will display a lot of charisma um, and get people's uh, eyeballs opened or interested in them, but they can, you know, wield a lot of magic and fool people. So... It's really a huge part of the problem of why it's so difficult to wake people up with just the facts and the knowledge because they have a hard time believing that there's something inherently wrong with the system itself. So I'm so curious. I know that you have many, many clients, and I'm sure that some of them that have come to you have been brainwashed. How do you, how do you speak to them? How do you get them to hear you? Well, the majority of people who do find me are at their wit's end. They've already been gaslighted by multiple doctors and specialists. They've already been through the ringer of testing. They've already been drugged uh, multiple times with no positive effect in their life or to the opposite, where they've been made worse by the doctor's uh, suppression and drugs. And they're they're just exhausted, and so they come to me uh, at that point, and they want it a different way out. Um, I will get some people who by proxy are pulled into having discussions with me, which I have to give caveats to them that they might not have a clue what the heck I'm talking about. So they, I have to try to meet them where they're at and I have to just censor my information so I can help them just maybe take a couple of steps in their life that's going to improve them or maybe just um, teach them about one or two things that they won't, so they won't get overwhelmed. And very rarely will I go into things like the falsities of the germ theory or what the terrain theory is or any of those um, ideas, because the problem is when you're sick, uh, you don't usually think very clearly. And uh, this society has been routinely 
decreasing our general um, IQs, where we have an average an IQ of 80 in most of North America, um, which is pathetic and really difficult to have um, intense and multi-layered conversations with people who have low IQ. Um, so you can't really overwhelm them. What's that? I can't believe that. 80? Yeah. Yeah, the new average. Oh yeah. Well, we're we're getting ready to go to the bottom of the hour break, and I want to share with everyone how they can get to the page. You go to the other side of midnight.com, and our show is one of the the other side of the news. So you can either click on that. Tonight's show is um, our guest is Amanda Volner, and the title is called Testing Positive for What You Want. This is Kinthea, and my co-hosts are Timothy Saunders and Annette Driscoll, and we shall return to you after the break. The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus to bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary based on well-verified references headed through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. With clear insight fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. And the other side of the news can be heard here on this network, on this channel, on this website, on this URL, every Friday evening, two hours, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific time. I warn you, you'll miss it at your own peril. Welcome back to the other side of the news. Tonight, our guest is Amanda Vollmer, and we're having a discussion about a number of kind of cutting edge and um, somewhat controversial topics. And 
we were just talking about the whole culture of the medical profession and the, um, what I call the, what I personally call the white coated gods or so they believe. And, uh, but what I'd really like to bring up and, and talk about a little bit is where, where do Amanda, where do you think people are that are in the medical profession um, as far as are they aware of how they're corrupting data or are they so programmed that they're um, oblivious to it or where, where do you think they, they come in with this idea? Um, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, we can. Okay, good. Cause I switched over my device. <laughs> um, <laughs> great. So it's a long story of how it got to this place of deception because the fundamental foundation going on, if you have that in error, then when you continue to build upon that, you're going to have more errors. So we're really in a true scientific revolution right now, uh, as Thomas Kuhn wrote about many, many years ago in his book, uh, The Structure of Scientific Revolution. Um, when I read that book, I realized that I was on the, the cutting edge of a revolution that was soon to come, and we're literally here. Um, what we're seeing is the breakdown of the false uh, foundation of the germ theory. And um, we're seeing too many discrepancies in the information. And what, what he said in the book is the discarded information from the theory that it, where it won't hold in the existing theory, it just gets put aside into a pile. But eventually that pile gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where it will topple over in, in, in the room so severely that it's all you can see. Um, and that's really what we have here in the situation with uh, blaming germs and viruses and uh, all of these uh, invisible enemies as causing disease. Um, and we have another uh, opportunity by the handlers, the, the shadow puppet governments and all of these megalomaniacs who are, you know, billionaires and trillionaires who want to rule the world. They want a eugenics agenda. They want they have all of these ideas that are quite psychopathic. Um, and they definitely don't want as many of us. And how would you easily manipulate populations? Well, they knew long ago at the time of Pasteur, who was also a fraud uh, and a plagiarist, that he knew that if they, he could convince people to be scared of an invisible illness, then uh, they, he could manipulate people's behaviors. The king of France um, hired him to come up with some ideas, and virus was the idea. So um, this has been used time, for time and time again to manipulate uh, populations, to get them coerced and in fear, because when you're somebody in fear, then you're going to easily be able to tell them what to do. They, they can't think. So, um, you know, that's, that's where it's derived from, basically. Yeah, so, you know, we've talked about that quite a bit on the show about how the fear uh, shuts down um, parts of the brain and, and activates other parts, not in our favor. Um, I find it really interesting, too, about the, the 80 IQ. I can totally believe you. Anyone who knows me, it's like I'm, I'm constantly, uh, this is one of my things that I rage against. It's like, oh, you know, do I really have to live with all these people? But, you know, it's been intentionally done to them. Um, and, and so I, I actually, speaking of, of not having education and not having high IQs, 
Um, I don't think our, our listenership is, is in that group. I, I think we have a pretty well-informed listenership in general. And, but I, I am just now delving into a couple really fantastic books on germ theory and the creation of, of uh, you know, the virus idea to, to use it as a political weapon. Um, and I'd love for you to go a little bit into that for our listenership to get a little background because I'm guessing that a lot of them haven't read the books that I'm just starting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, Dr. Stefan Lanka's information is really helpful for people to start with because he really broke it down quite well. Um, he was one of the first doctors to really do the research and pull that back up out of history and say, you know what? We've been, um, <sighs> lied to you about the germ theory, guys, and uh, this is how it happened, and let's look back at history and how we were manipulated. And him being a virologist and have ide- had identified the, one of the largest phages in the ocean, realizing that it wasn't a pathogenic organism, it was actually a supportive one that helped the fish to recover from their own states of disease, which come from internal um, you know, inflammatory states and problems of nutrition or problems of toxicity, uh, that the particles were there to eat the waste and remove them from the body and weren't there to destroy the organism at all. In fact, quite the opposite. So he had quite an awakening um, on his own merit, and he started to ask questions like scientists who are true of should do. Uh, any good scientist continually asks questions about their environment, about nature, about what's true, uh, constantly challenges the narrative, um, looks from all angles, and makes sure that the information that's coming back is not being uh, put through biased filters, um, making sure that the the hypothesis is not being written um, in such a way that it is going to lead, you know, the science down a specific trail that is only going to give the answer that you want, which is what a lot of modern science does, uh, which it also manipulates the data to um, use, like through statistical modeling, to get the answers that you want and to highlight the things how you want to show them. So if you paint out one of the sections of the paintings with a stronger color than the others, then that's where your eye is going to go to. Um, And uh, of course, you know, anybody who's been wanting to manipulate um, uh, outcomes for personal gain or monetary gain will have this as an agenda. Uh, a lot of these scientists are not moral. <laughs> they don't have a good uh, code of ethics, and they're using the information for their own uh, end game. And that's what has happened in the modern medical cult. And in true science, if we were to look at that, we would um, have known many years ago that like in the 1930s, for example, when we were starting to realize there were these other particles in the blood that don't make sense and that um, also go get completely 180 degrees against the, um, the idea of germ theory and also blow apart uh, Henley Koch's postulates, which... Um, if you're going to say that germs cause disease, you have to be able to prove that. You can't just say it or speculate it. In science, you have to have rigorous testing and you have to have repeatable testing. 
uh, and the postulates were there to do just that. But what happened is uh, at least one of the postulates was starting to fall apart. And this was Henley's postulates originally, and he died. Um, but Koch came along and he said, I've got a little idea being an amoral scientist. Let's just change some of the wording <laughs> so we can get away with this. Um, instead of removing, say, an organism, a microorganism, and trying to elicit a specific disease in a healthy subject by giving that organism, which wasn't working, which they tried many times in many different ways that never caused disease, let's just um, change it a little bit to say that it could cause a similar-ish disease. So they changed it from same to similar. Uh, that was a sleight of hand that nobody seemed to really um, bark too loud about. And this is how you start to whittle away um, the truth in science by just slightly, minute by minute, changing little things to get and see if you get away with it. Um, but they it kind had. Of, it kind of sounds like our history right now, doesn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Absolutely. So, you know, if you want to. Um, base your your knowledge on false foundations like i was saying then you'll you'll go well um these organisms cause disease because we find the organisms in people who are diseased that's basically what we're dealing with here we're saying Mm -hmm. that you know we're seeing people who come in and they have all kinds of problems and we're going to test a lot of them and a lot of them will have these particles inside of them. And some people will have the particles and they will have symptoms. Uh, some people will have the particles and they'll have different symptoms than other people who show those same particles. And um, other people will have no symptoms and also have those particles within them. But they don't realize that if that's the case, which it does happen to be the case uh, in this current fiasco, um, that that doesn't make any scientific sense whatsoever. You either have an organism and it makes you sick because it has to satisfy Henley Koch's postulates, or you have an organism and it doesn't make you sick, which means that it has no play in your disease state. You don't have um, different types of symptoms for same organisms. An organism is supposed to give a certain type of uh, result in the body. And if it's all over the place, like you have somebody who's having a heart attack and they're testing positive for a specific piece of genetic material, then um, the other people who have that genetic material, they should have those symptoms. So right there, none of this makes any scientific sense whatsoever. Um, Mm. And when you look at the way that they do the testing, that is also a big fiasco. Um, which they've gotten away with before in the past. Um, It's unfortunate with censorship and with um, people who are purposely put into situations to um, contradict the information rather than to have a, you know, a real legitimate conversation and really challenge the material in a fair way. What you end up, what the controllers will do is they'll hire goons to come in and just make a Swiss cheese mess of it by, you know, making videos that just try to disprove it or um, making word salads that are nobody can make heads or tails of to 
make it so confusing that people just give up even trying to know what it is. And we're seeing that again in the modern age does this in general as a tool to control the narrative, right? This is um, commonly done by think tanks <laughs> to make sure that their ideas get uh, taken up by the, the majority of people. Uh, of course, that's promulgated through the majority of the mainstream me um, media. And they are, of course, you know, all of the same eight groups that all get the same script. And people think that that's truth, right? And so we have a big problem on our hands because with censorship, with the control of the mainstream media, with big money, big pharma, big medicine backing all of the lies, um, and, and a lot of the minions actually believing the lies as truth because they're indoctrinated into the cult, this is what has to break down in order for the true scientific revolution to take hold. But more and more people are starting to realize that there are some big holes in a lot of the ideas and theories, and that if we continue to have the discussion and we continue to read books like what you're reading, and we continue to unearth the information like what Dr. Stefan Lenka is doing, what um, many others like John Rappaport or Robert O. Young are doing, um, people who have questioned the narrative and started to do the research on the history of how we got from, you know, then to now, then it will, people will start to realize that this is not how disease works whatsoever and understand how we got into this mess. Right. Yeah. I have actually have, um, I have some interesting items on my, my items page and, and uh, my item number three is actually a article by John Rappaport. You just mentioned, um, and he's talking in that article about uh, wearing a mask and causing diagnostic tests to read false positive. And it's really interesting. It's a short article, but basically he's saying, you know, our body, we're meant to discharge these uh, particles um, that we're throwing off. And by rebreathing, essentially our, our discharge, we're increasing that instead of being able to get rid of it, we're, we're increasing it. And then they're testing for it, which is it's one way to look at it. But then we want to look at the test itself. And I was hoping that you could kind of give a, a brief explanation on this test that they're using and the way they're manipulating it. Um, and I, by the way, I have several things uh, on my, mm, my pages and I know everyone else has Timothy and can see on your, probably yourself too, uh, about, about this issue with the, the, the testing. Um, could you go into a little bit about that? About how mm -hmm. we're using the test? Okay. Well, um, it's important to know who Perry Mollis is when you're talking about the PCR test, the, polymerase chain reaction test, which is um, shouldn't even really be used as a test, as a diagnostic tool at all. And uh, Dr. Kerry Mullis was very vocal about that when he started to see that they were using it in that regard and that they were using it to hope the fake HIV AIDS uh, pandemic, which n never existed, was yet one of many fake virus um, disasters used to destroy people's lives and to manipulate political uh, agendas and to earn a lot of money for different institutions and organizations. Um, huge scam. There's lots of resources on that. You can go to whale.to if you're interested in learning more about the HIV scam. 
Um, but they were, that was um, the type of test used and even the antibody test is, was very similar to what they're doing now with the COVID uh, hoax. So they, they've, and it happens to be Fauci that was in charge of that then. And so I think they brought him on board again for this scam because he was familiar with the patterns of the fake testing. Um, and the PCR is basically um, a method in which you take nucleic acid genetic material, uh, you put it in like a soup and you add different um, additives to it in order to denature the DNA segment that you have in your sample and then make multiple copies of that so that when you take it and you put it on your measurement tool, your Western blot, for example, and you get a weight from that, which you have to compare it to other weights, by the way. It's not just a single um, uh, uh, line that you're looking at. Everything has to be comparative. Um, then you're going to see, based on how many copies of that DNA that you have um, expunged and exploded, and that will give you an idea of what's in the sample. The problem with that is uh, you have a lot of contamination of samples. Uh, you have a lot of cross-reactions of particulates of RNA and DNA nucleic acid pieces that can be involved. Um, and then you're what are you comparing it to and what are you thinking that you're actually getting? So say you do take a scraping from somebody's um, cribiform plate by sticking a big stick with a cotton swab that's been bleached uh, into the back of this uh, part of the nasal cavity, and you put that in your PCR process. Um, you can't isolate <clears throat> the virus, for one, and that's never actually been done for any so-called disease, and Dr. Stefan Lenka proved in a court of law that measles is not a virus and that the papers claiming that it is a virus never satisfied the proper isolation procedure and uh, therefore were fraudulent. And he did win that, it appealed. His uh, challenge was to say he would give a lot of money to anyone who proved it existed and somebody challenged him. And uh, he, the judge didn't know what the heck they were talking about. So he won the case originally, but he lost on appeals with a different judge who actually knew what the heck was going on. Excuse me. So, so understanding that this is not like you put it in, uh, you put the DNA sample in and you get a magic result that's really easy to read, that has a perfect specificity, that has a perfect sensitivity. You actually have such a wide um, specificity that you have about an 80% false positive reading on these tests. Um, they're basically garbage. Um, they prove nothing and shouldn't be used. And if you, anybody is a real scientist, should have um, been yelling from the rooftop saying, please stop using this as a test, because all this shows is that you have particular strand of DNA in your body um, at any given time and that if you run the PCR test in a specific way, you will get multiple copies of that. Now, say you're really ill, for example, 
and your body is detoxing. Um, and then you are making more of these copies because you make them yourself from your own uh, blood to correct an imbalance in the body and to remove waste and to correct broken uh, your uh, DNA, okay? That's what our so-called viruses do for us. So say you're really inflamed, you don't eat well, or you're having a lot of stress, and you make a lot of these particles and you take a swab, you're going to have more of the particles seen on the swab when you're starting out on the PCR test. But say that you only have a couple of copies on the, on the swab because you have a little bit of inflammation because you've been wearing a stupid mask that doesn't do anything for your health and actually makes your health worse. Or maybe you had a stressful day and you ate something you shouldn't have. And so your body uh, was irritated in its respiratory system a little bit and started to make that particular particle to heal it. And so you happen to, you know, be in a bad place at a bad time and had to get a COVID test, maybe to go see your loved one in a hospital or something. And then lo and behold, it comes back positive. Well, why? Because all they did was find your own DNA inside of you and grew it up enough into the PCR test to actually get enough of a weight to see that it's there and there's your positive. Meanwhile, the person who's really sick is also gonna test positive, even though they had way more copies of the uh, DNA sample in their starting material, it's still gonna come out the same. So whether you have a few copies or you have a lot of copies, basically you're both gonna be testing positive. And in this world of ignorance uh, and lack of uh, delicacy and lack of intuition and lack of really any kind of scientific pure knowledge, you're just going to be labeled as that, and you're going to be scared into whatever they're trying to push, which is an, an crazy amount of um, genetic manipulation through a novel vaccine that will be completely untested, properly uh, tested on any animal models. Amanda, may I uh, ask you a question about the chromosome eight? Because I think that's it's an amazing uh, foundation you've, you've offered our listeners. Let me just go back very quickly. At the weekend, I was fortunate to see uh, Max Egan from the Crow House. Max Egan is one of our previous guests, and he featured your work, I think, in two of his podcasts. And I have to say, I watched them back to back twice because I was so stunned by you know what you were bringing to the table. Uh, so this. RT-PCR test, we, we, we talked about this for, for, for months, how it, it seems inappropriate for testing for you know, the alleged COVID-19 virus and so on. Uh, however, you were very, very much more specific about the possibility that, in fact, it is targeting uh, chromosome 8 in our, in our DNA. Uh, could you please uh, tell us a little bit about that and explain what the importance of chromosome eight is in, in relation to you know, our well-being and uh, what perhaps then we can go on to the consequences of what actually identifying this, this chromosome could mean in, in the big picture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, one thing that's important to understand is how um, DNA is read or how um, RNA works. So it, essentially you have DNA inside of a genome structure and DNA is double-stranded. And in order for you to make copies of something that you're looking for, um, you have to denature the DNA to relax it. 
you have to add certain enzymes and uh, probes and primers inside of your sample, so and as well as um, genetic loose genetic material, so that you're giving the building blocks of the um, nucleic acids to grow up your copies of your DNA that you're looking for specifically. Um, and I'll try to simplify it. It's a little bit complicated, but think of it as you've unzipped a zipper. So you have two sides of the zipper. Um, if you're trying to replicate that strand that's relaxed, that piece that's relaxed, um, the bottom strand goes in one direction and the top strand goes in the other direction. So these are called five prime end and three prime end. Well, basically you can't, you have to start building from a three prime end. This is the direction of creating the, the DNA uh, replication through your, um, then goes to mRNA and then the R, that mRNA goes to rRNA, which means that you have a messenger that's created at that point that will eventually go to a ribosome, which will eventually lead to a protein. Okay, so that's like, DNA leads to RNA, leads to different RNA, leads to protein formation. But in that unzipping, the upper, let's just say um, for to orient you, say that the piece of DNA is on the right and it's opening to the left. Um, the bottom strand will go, will read from um, left to right. And the top strand, however, has to read from uh, right to left. And that's the three prime side. So it needs a primer sequence uh, in order for it to orient itself into where to begin the replication. That primer has to be placed in first, and then there's another segment that comes in after called an Okazawi fragment, um, which assists the next phase of the process. So going one way, going the bottom from left to right is pretty easy, but going from the top, from the from the right to the left, it's a little more complicated. So when you're, that's why you have to add primers and probes. The probes are really just highlights to make sure that um, you know you've got the piece that you're looking for by putting a marker in there. So in the um, the real time, which that's what RT means, the real time uh, PCR assay test. Um, I know they say it's reverse transcriptase as well, but they're really talking about um, in the moment, this is what they're doing, like in real time. And there are um, actually multiple starter primers that they're using um, to start this process and to amplify certain levels of the gene or certain areas of that unzipped DNA. And these are actually pieces of starter DNA because if it's an RNA, it has, um, instead of, say, C, T, like... Those Amanda, I, yeah. I'm, I'm really sorry. This is just oh, coming yes, up to a break. So sure. let, let's just go to the sure. music, and we'll be back very shortly. Let's get, okay. let's get uh, back to this on the other side.
join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs, $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Listen while you travel or as an environment to your endeavors. Eight cents an episode, two and a half cents per hour of content. The other side of midnight.com. the other side of the news. Tonight's edition is called Testing Positive for What? And I'm delighted to be joined by Amanda Dawn Bulmer. Amanda, we were just going into a complicated explanation and I rather clumsily sort of cut you off for the break. But um, would you please continue where we left off? Uh, I think you were just explaining about a particular element of the, towards the explanation, towards the chromosome eight. Right. Um, I was trying to help people understand there's some complexities involved in um, denaturing the DNA double strand and copying that um, using different pieces of nucleic acids and enzymes in order to do that. So um, the sequence that is in the upper um, level of the DNA strand will go in one direction and the bottom strand will go in another direction. So this um, primer that is uh, mimicking or looking similar to another piece of DNA, this is a DNA primer because it does not have uracil in it. If it was an RNA primer, it would have uracil um, as instead of the, so this is a CT, it's actually C, T, and Gs are in this one, um, but no uracil. And, and what it means is that this is a, is a primer piece of DNA to begin the sequence. And it is read from the right to left when it's going through its process because it is considered a reverse primer, which means it's probably now going to be used. What they're saying is they're targeting it to be used for that upper deck replication. Okay, and they're putting things in with the, this material to do that job. Now, when we look over at something else, this was somebody who made this correlation who probably understood that it is our own genetic material that makes the bacteria, viruses, fungal forms in our own body that we will, um, of course, see, especially in the virome or that that. Um, somated ex expression, particulates or pieces of nucleic acid that are our own, because it the viruses that we make are there to heal damaged cells. And if you have damaged DNA inside a cell, then you can repair it by giving the genetic material into the um, into the center of the cell. Um, the nucleus 
and encourage it to be repaired rather than apoptosis and get rid of the entire tissue. And when that's complete or when that material is done, you will have waste particles and or you could find them in their active stage as well, um, which is we can't say that that's not what we're seeing because everybody who's looking at it is blaming the flies for causing the garbage rather than um, flipping the cause and effect, right? And saying, well, wait a second, right? Why are we finding pieces of DNA at the scene of the crime? Why would it be there? And the assumption is that it's causing disease rather than it's there because the tissue is diseased. So when we, this individual with the, the bombshell link that was found um, from peaceofmindful.com was basically, um, that's how, that's the information that I uh, stumbled on. And comparing the chromosome eight um, primary assembly unit that is also a piece of DNA with the exact same um, uh, nucleic acid number, which is 18 base pairs. Obviously, mm -hmm. this is a haploid. This is not a double-stranded piece of DNA that they are displaying here. The question, it begs the question, um, if, we are, if that is also added into the PCR test, that, that piece of strand in that direction, uh, what does that mean in if that is our own <laughs> nucleic acid material sure. uh, that we are seeing as a result. And if that is the case, that we are simply um, taking a segment off of this huge gene. This is primary assembly is um, actually used in genetically in genetic modifications. Um, what it, it's different than a primer. Um, a, a primary assembly is basically a repeater gene that is used to link together multiple fragments of DNA from mm -hmm. an, in an end-to-end -end way. So it gets this stuff gets kind of complicated, and I know that I might be going over people's heads. Well, um, it, it's just that, no. Amanda, it, it is complicated, and. You know, I'm I'm fascinated by your your wealth of knowledge. I'm just thinking that this 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 particular show we're limited to a certain amount of time, and uh, I, I I wonder if if we could perhaps look at the consequences, uh, the, the big picture more than the intricate detail. Because I mean, I'd I'd love to invite you back. We'd, we'd talk hours and hours about this. I'm sure. If, one of the things that absolutely stunned me was the chromosome 8, uh, the significance of that particular uh, element of our, our DNA. Uh, this kind of tells more about the choice of the PCR test, perhaps, and also the... It's, it's also kind of creating a footing for the vaccination that is... is mm -hmm. Well, it looks like it's coming our way. I have absolutely, I have no wish to have anything to do with it. But uh, do you think that if if the, the chromosome eight is somehow or in, through sleight of hand the piece which which is uh, targeted, and then the vaccination is then uh, made to take care of that, and I'm using very general terms here, then is that 
actually going to start reprogramming us in a way which is actually nothing in that nothing to do with this alleged COVID-19 virus at all I mean is it all about the geoengineering or, or the uh, DNA engineering of the human race well this is why it's in, of interest and became such a bombshell situation for those of us who already have been researching this very thing and already have suspected that they've been using VAX to alter our DNA um, previously and are definitely working on a new plan with this particular one and why they had to fashion such a viral hoax to get us so scared on such a, such a worldwide, um, you know, in a worldwide manner, right? Why did they need to make it a pandemic? Why, why couldn't they just make it, make it an epidemic? Why did they need everybody to take it. I mean, Bill Gates is quoted saying he wants all seven something billion people to be taking this. Why would he? Why would that be so important to them? We know that they can manipulate um, DNA using things like electroporation and electricity. Once you give the genetic material into the bloodstream, it will go into cells because that um, DNA and RNA material will automatically. Uh, well, first of all, it's got to be usually an RNA has to be involved because RNA can go outside of the cytosol and outside of the outside of the nucleus. But DNA is more specific and it has to be encapsulated and it has to be inside a nucleus ideally. So if DNA floats through the body, that's basically your recipe for cancer 100%. But if it's RNA, then okay. it'll... Let's, yeah. let's go back because that, that's quite a big, a, a mm -hmm. big hit there. So... I'm referring back also to some of the information I, I've listened to you from before. But mm -hmm. what I understand is that the chromosome 8 is, has a correlation or has a connection with uh, intelligence, with uh, cancer, with, I think, uh, possibly even to the extent of, uh, if it was manipulated, to bring people to a sort of more of a dumbed-down state where they're happy in their bubble and uh, actually far more subservient in character. Is, is that something? I know I'm jumping huge leaps here at the moment, but I'm just conscious that mm -hmm. our, our show is going, passing very fast. Yeah. These, these elements of the conversation from, from your previous converse, uh, podcast focus a little bit more on that. Um, am I, be, am I just perhaps going for the sensation of these, these elements, but, uh, I, I just think this, this is what absolutely grabbed my attention. And I'm, I'm just really concerned that this is something we need to share with our listenership in order to, you know, make our case stronger that the vaccination really is not something which people want to embrace. Well, I'm just trying to set the stage here so that people understand that there's a bigger story sure. to how it's got from, you know, then to here. And then people who already understand this, like myself, then find a little clue because we're looking for clues, meaning that we know that it's that we make our own so-called viruses ourselves. So there has to be genetic material that's our own in it. And then when we find a clue like, hey, there might be a suspicious piece of DNA that may be a hint that it correlates to this particular chromosome, let's take a look at it and see if that's a smoking gun moment that basically proves that they are just going to be injecting us with um, altered pieces of 
a specific chromosome so it gives us an idea of what they're trying to actually do to us in this particular round. But we also have to consider that chromosome 8 is, um, I mean, we have 23 pairs of chromosomes. Like, we don't have a lot of them. We have only 23, but this is like 145 million base pairs we're talking about here. There's a lot of DNA in one chromosome. Um, and this particular um, aspect of the chromosome is really just a, uh, we don't really know what it, it does. We don't really have that information in the genome project of what specifically that would be altering or changing. And we also don't know what is in the vaccine that links to that particular repeater strand. Um, and say you've designed a so-called vaccine that has um, a multiple uh, bits of uh, DNA or RNA inside of it, primarily it's going to be RNA that's going to be the, do the job of replicating, um, then what is the goal, right? But the, it's go still going to be speculation. We're just getting closer to some of the ideas because if it is the case that it's on chromosome eight, that we can narrow it down a little bit more. We know that intelligence is one part, chromosome eight, meaning like, uh, pe but, but usually people who have genetic mutations in chromosome eight tend to be smarter. Um, and so does that mean they're going to remove a piece? Does that mean they're going to add in a piece into that area? What this is all going to be speculation. We, we aren't going to know until they start actually doing it on people and we see the outcome. Um, from looking at this particular chromosome and trying to just extrapolate um, the agenda, right, the New World Order agenda and what they're trying to do, um, mm -hmm. we know that we'll see a lot of issues around the head, um, the brain, uh, growth deficiencies, uh, craniofacial problems, uh, issues with the eyes and stuff. So there we can take a hint that they're going after intelligence probably doing this um, or they're going after um, or, specifically or senses. Mm -hmm. or senses. Yep. Or senses. Um, maybe they're trying to make, maybe they're actually trying to make a superhuman, you know, they're interested in, in creating um, for this transhuman idea. So yes. maybe we're just thinking they, maybe what will happen is if the piece of DNA doesn't situate in the location that they want because it's always going to be a random experiment. I've done this in the lab and really you're just looking for if the, the primer actually got into the place that you needed it and the marker came up with, you know, fluorescence, for example, then it's in the place that you want it. Otherwise it goes everywhere else. And so if those pieces of material, genetic material go into other places, then that will um, destabilize that person. And in what way will it kill them? Um, because we know they want to depopulate as well. So what if it's a double whammy? What if, if the piece gets into the right location and you get a superhuman that they can now take off the street and go and experiment with in a lab um, or the rest of them just die off from the vaccine? Mm -hmm. I, I think that, that's a very interesting uh, to go down and discuss, actually. I mean, for example, I, what came to my mind when you were talking about the transhumanism is, is sort of perhaps the... The old school way, which is uh, evolution, if we look at something like an anglerfish or something like that, which is, uh, you know, has developed the, the, something very different than other fish. This sort of, uh, what can we say, this lure that sort of hangs out in front of its eyes and attracts other fish. And as other fish come towards it, it, it sort of opens its mouth and snaps and flows, and, and there we are, it's called its dinner. 
Um, but, you know, evolution is something which happens, from my understanding, over sort of, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of years. Uh, but is, are they, and I'll come back to who they are later, but are they looking to uh, evolve us or, or kickstart our evolution to, you know, and as I say, if, if they're playing with our senses, with our intelligence, is it a question that, you know, if people are interfacing uh, through these sort of biome electronic gels, uh, if, if a computer interface is, is part of our body in the future, then are they trying to highlight which, how, how to harness our eyesight, our hearing, our senses and things? Do you think there's something in, in that, uh, that, that park? Do you think ballpark, do you think that could be a possibility? Well, first of all, the theory of evolution is just that, and it fails many scientific challenges. It's never been proven scientifically, mm -hmm. and I do not subscribe to it because it falls flat, just like the germ theory. Um, yes. We adapt. We definitely adapt to situations. Um, animals will adapt, but one animal doesn't change into another animal. That just doesn't happen. Um, the whole theory of evolution was just put forward by yet another fraud. Darwin mm -hmm. was another Masonic fraud, just like Einstein, just like uh, Pasteur, just like all of the people that get uh, put in the history books while everybody else gets their voice drowned out. Um, the victors always write the history, right? Exactly. So, um, the transhumanism idea is based on these super freaks never wanting to die um, and wanting to make sort of like a half uh, robot, half human type of thing. I think probably a lot of these people grew up on some weird video game ideas and they're just really um, not connected to nature in any way. Um, they're pretty mentally unwell uh, in their thinking. To it, it actually doesn't hold water as far as sustainability. So that's the hope. You know, I know you mentioned we want to talk about some um, positive things um, coming out of this, but the the real hope is that when you start to really mess around with nature, nature will not tolerate such aberrations. Uh, it will always uh, destroy that which is further, so far divorced from it. Um, it cannot re reproduce and it will not outlive um, the natural world. It just does not become part of it. So they will try to probably uh, create a superhuman um, that they will be able to study and they will be able to try to manipulate in a lab, um, put different bionic parts in it, uh, microchip it, um, make it into some sort of hyper-intelligent being. Um, but ultimately that, um, outcome will implode on itself because again, anytime you think you're smarter than nature and anytime that you think you, you're just manipulating a computer, um, you're in ignorance and these people are in the height of ignorance, um, and delusion. So, you know, as long as we stay away from them and we don't accept the mark of the beast, <laughs> we don't accept their um, jab and shock because this particular um, vaccine comes with an electric shock attached to it. And um, it, so it's a new idea. Then let it fall. Let Babylon, Babylon fall in on itself as it will in time. Um, but really it's, um, 
we know they're messing around with us. They've already messed around with us. Just look at the Gardasil vaccine. I talked about it in that original video because that's what I was studying at the time because I was already trying to figure out what they're trying to do to us with their transhuman agenda, their smart city infrastructure, all this, you know, 5G stuff and everything they're playing around with. Um, they've already, you know, messed around with our DNA, which is inside the, um, that particular Gardasil vaccine, that HPV vaccine. And a lot of the children who got it are sterilized by it. Um, and it causes cervical cancer because they're basically confusing the body into thinking that it's got the inflammation in the area which is what that particular particle does in the body. Um, so I suspect people who get this particular vaccine will have a die from respiratory diseases. They'll, they'll die from suffocation in their own mucus um, because that particular particle that we make is present in people who have inflammation of the respiratory system, right? So it confuses the system quite significantly. Amanda, hi. Uh, I, I had a question for you, too. So to bring it back, um, and, and uh, that, that is interesting, by the way, that, that whole thing. And, and it was funny because I was just talking to Kinthea this afternoon and saying, you know, I believe that that vaccine um, makes them sterile. <laughs> and then you talk about it tonight. Kind of funny. I mean, it's not funny if it happened to you. But um, but, but I wanted to ask about the, all the, the massive amount of tests that they're taking. We know and they know that these tests are inappropriate and inaccurate, yet they're taking it. Now, there could be a couple explanations for that agenda. It, you know, we, we know that there's been a massive manipulation. I have two items in my show item pages about the manipulation of the numbers, um, the financial incentives for states for every covid related death that they report, um, blah, blah, blah. But what about all these DNA samples they're gathering? Do you feel that there's anything going on with, the, are they creating a big database? What do you, is, is there anything like that that you, you suspect is, is there or could oh, they yeah, be they've doing been, anything with that? Yeah, they've been collecting our DNA for a long time. They've been using it through, um, you know, Ancestry.com and these uh, kinds of uh, places, which clearly say if you look, if you actually read the fine print that uh, once you give your DNA to them, they own it. And so they can sell it or do whatever you bet your bottom dollar, they're selling it for a pr pretty penny. Um, and they've been genetically profiling humans ever since the, the, um, the genome project, right? They, they want to figure this out badly. Um, and they also want to understand the slight nuances and the differences between us. So it's a really great opportunity for them, especially if they are able to get pretty specific segments of a chromosome out of us through the testing um, and uh, profile us, genetically profile us with that information. They'll be able to see, um, study the differences and figure out maybe say the Australians, maybe that's why they're going so hard on the Australians. They're like, yeah, the Australians and their testing, it's perfect. It's perfect for our plan. You know, let's unleash the vaccine on them first. We'll test it on the Africans because we always love to test, you know, our, va our untested uh, murderous vaccines on, you know, people who uh, are, are in an unfortunate situation that their governments would rather take the handout um, than support, you know, help their people. 
Um, and also they're generally white supremacists, so they love to, to um, attack any, any culture of color. Um, and they are going to find out what subpopulation will work the best for their little um, scientific experiment they're doing on us. I'm sure they're just in the background, like clapping their hands with glee at all of the, the people just lining up for the testing. Um, that's why they need the testing so badly. And that's why they're doing the contact tracing because the contact tracing leads to try almost get everybody um, tested and everybody's piece of DNA in the database. So they're really going for it this time. Um, so yeah, you're, you're onto it with thinking that there's a relationship between collecting your DNA um, through the swabbing and uh, database, putting that in a database or banking it for using it to target the, um, the gene sequence more specifically for different subpopulations. Maybe they'll have a vaccine diff that's slightly different for one subpopulation to another um, mm -hmm. based on that feedback and information that's more specifically targeted. Well, you know, well, I mean, we know that there's specifically through the sequence, the gene sequence uh, aligning up with, was it 16 or 18 number sequence? Our letter sequence it's identical so they're they're looking specifically at that chromosome eight and um i you know i mean this is just completely off the cuff but we know in previous uh genocides they've tried to target people uh with intelligence and we know that there that's something that we can look at in the eight we might not know that much we have a little bit of information Previously, in regimes like, say, uh, North Korea, you know, they, they, they killed everybody that wore glasses because it was their presumption that people with glasses were more intelligent. Now yeah. we have DNA, and we can actually look at this and say, hmm, and, you know, maybe the more intelligent people would be convenient to get rid of them because, you know, they, they stir up trouble and make question things and, you know, make problems. So uh, do you think any of that's going on with this? Well, or, if you want to control your slave properly and you have too many of them, then obviously the ones who are really um, too dumb to function for the goals of the oligarchy, they'll just wipe themselves out with the fear. So we're seeing that already. I mean, all you need to do is scare them so severely. They will be broke. They will be homeless. They will be starving to death. They will get diseases from starvation. They'll take themselves out, right? Um, yeah. They'll, so that's that's a happy we're, side effect from that. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of that, right, with the suicide rates and the drug abuse and the domestic yeah. violence and all that's really up. Yeah. Okay. Right. So there'll there'll be a subsection that will be the victims of that, and they're I'm all too happy to get rid of that uh, population. And then you'll have those of us who are awake and understanding and uh, got our you know, finger on the pulse of what's going on and we're going to stay the hell away from them and we're probably going to create our own tribes and communities and become self-sufficient and just, just you know, off to the forest with us, right? Um, they probably won't even bother with us, to be honest, because they're going to have enough to do with their, the people who are of higher enough intelligence, but deep inside the cult think you know, they've drank the Kool-Aid, um, but they have enough functioning um, brain cells to still work with. And those will be the ones who get the vaccines, for sure, because they already believe vaccines save lives. And they, you can't have logical conversations with these people either, because, again, 
when you understandably indoctrinated and they can't get out of the house of cards they built inside their minds, right? They can't take mm. in the information because it will collapse their entire reality and they are too fragile emotionally to deal with that. They, they, can't, they don't even have the emotional fortitude or the internal intuition to, go, to know that there is an outside of those walls. So those are the perfect people for their experiments. And those will probably work out nicely for their little um, agenda. And then they'll, those will be the ones that live inside the smart cities and do their little robot living and have really um, dysfunctional relationships and fall apart pretty quick, quickly, I would imagine, because can you really well, imagine humans living like that? <laughs> well, the other thing is, is I, I mean, there's, there, we know some of the, the patents that are held on some of this vaccine stuff, we know that it causes sterilization. So if they're taking that, I mean, it won't take that long to like kind of, um, you know, taking us, mm-hmm. taking us all out. Uh, so, I mean, not all of us, but, you know, it wouldn't take too long to, to stop the, <laughs> stop the population. If that's mm-hmm. the case. So um, speaking of which, we are at the bottom of the hour, and it is break time again. So um, we're gonna wipe, we're gonna come back after the, the break here. All right. TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back to The Other Side of the News. Our guest tonight is Amanda Volmer. The show is called Testing Positive for What? 
co-hosts are Annette Driscoll, Timothy Saunders, and myself, Kim Thea. And we were just talking about how those who are too dumb are being, they're being taken out by their own fear. And I'm really hoping we can explore ideas of how to combat that fear, Amanda. Do you have mm-hmm. suggestions? And I also understand uh, we have a caller in the wings when, when time permits. Well, it's interesting. I wanted to make a point uh, as well that the Centers for Disease Control um, and Prevention, which is such a joke, but anyway, preventing what, um, <laughs> uh, they you, they have stated publicly that there's no qualified virus isolates of this particular so-called novel coronavirus. There's no, um, like the assay that they used to detect it were basically just taken from a characterized stock, um, an in vitro transcribed full-length RNA gene from GenBank. Um, so they, they didn't, they haven't, they've admitted that they haven't isolated this virus and that they're using PCR techniques, which again is not a test to be used to say that you have a particular virus or not, and that all they're doing is taking genetic material out of you that matches genetic material that they say is showing this particular, uh, you know, uh, nucleic acid, this assay that they've taken from GenBank. So it comes full circle. It's, it's a circular argument. And um, Stefan Lenka talks about this at length. He says, it's just a circular argument. You take a piece of DNA from your DNA b- bank and then you, you find it in a human and you grow it up and you match it to the thing that you you created in the first place that you're calling that you, you made that piece, original piece up. And uh, there were pe- have been people who have written um, basically access to information. To, I'm in Canada through health Canada um, through the access to information act for the records describing the isolation of the SARS CoV-2 virus. Like where is the sample? How did they do it? And, Basically, they're like, we don't have that information. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have that. I can give you that piece of information, that letter. Um, so that's important on, for people to know that this is no science here. Okay. There's no isolation of a virus. This is from fundamental science. It is not there. Um, and And this is good news. This is good news because we're finally after, you know, back in the 1930s, uh, through the 1930s to the 1970s, this is like a fight between real scientists arguing against the false terrain theory, uh, sorry, the truth terrain theory and the false germ theory, okay? And we're finally coming into a new full circle of that, where we go, this just, how many more examples do we need that the germ theory doesn't work as described? And it's not how disease works. And can we finally start talking about how disease works? Can we finally start healing people? And can we finally uh, use all the beautiful but suppressed cures and approaches that we have in our arsenal that we've been using for uh, traditionally for thousands of years that have been attacked and demonized? Can we finally get there? Because we're over this. We're tired of the fear. We're tired of the fakeness. Um, you know, if you walk down the street, and you really had a pandemic, do you not think you would, would see evidence of that? Would you not see a lot of people um, coughing, a lot of people not feeling well, 
a lot of people reporting that they couldn't go out because they were really sick and or they were feeling like, hey, buddy, can you take me to the hospital? I'm really not feeling well. Um, when you see the hospitals completely overrun, as opposed to the hashtag uh, empty hospitals uh, that we've been seeing ever since the beginning, um, would we not have actual evidence? Where are people's ability to actually think and look for facts and evidence? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's gone. And in a sense, that's a good news because that means that's, it, that's evidence that we're not using evidence. That's, that's evidence that this is a fraud. And once we start to realize it, which so many have, then we can get to the real conversations and then we can get on with this revolution and finally get our cures up and running. It's interesting. I'm actually seeing people cough less. And in one of my links, I have one nurse who's, she's uh, she's talking about her certificate of bollocks. And she says she's gotten this award because she's this great health practitioner. And she said, the hospitals are empty. I haven't done anything. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I saw that the other day. I posted on my Instagram page. And uh, I love her because this is where we're getting to. Can we be honest? You know, can we be, can we tell the truth? Can we get over ourselves? You know, uh, can we get over these fake agencies? Pretend, can we, can we stop pretending that they're caring about us? Can we stop lying to ourselves about what they do? Can we finally look back at how this all began with the Rockefeller, Carnegie, you know, um, Morgan, uh, Ford <laughs> cartel with the Flexner report and, and manipulating innocent people into believing something um, and using time over generations to manipulate people into a belief system, it deep indoctrination, right? If you have a long con and you have a secret society, then you can do this through generations, through making sure that they're um, in, in that particular cult. And if, if they don't, if they fall out of line, then uh, they don't uh, get the, the inheritance or whatever. So it's very easy when you think about it, to do this. And um, I encourage people to uh, listen to or read the book, um, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Um, That is just a nice example of how, um, this is by G. Edward Griffin, by the way, of how the Federal Reserve was born out of corruption from evil, devious men who got together in secret to come up with a plan to take away our wealth from us to tax us to death, right? We don't need taxes. We don't even need government. We don't need any of these institutions, none of them. And they've got way too much power and they're overtaking us right now. And they're not even paying attention to law. They're lawless. They're, they're, they're basically usurped our rights. They're taking away our rights day by day. And we're even allowing it, which is adding insult to injury, right? So we can just refuse to play the game. And we actually have that freedom of choice to do it. I, even if there's fines, you know, accept the fines and, and then counter sue, you know, sue them right back. You have to learn how to stand up for yourselves, right? That's what we have to do right now is say enough. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not playing the game. You can try as you will, but I have the power and you don't. And that's what they're afraid of. That's what they don't want, want us mm-hmm. to realize, that they're actually powerless without us. 
Right. We have the numbers and they don't. And, uh, yeah, if people would learn that they actually already have the power and just start utilizing it, the whole thing would change that and, and stop listening to the television, please, you know, please. So I'd love to talk uh, about a little bit. I heard you on an interview uh, with a chiropractor who had just lost his job from not wearing a mask. Uh, and at, at one point in the interview, you talked about how to talk to people to open their minds because one of the questions that I've heard repeatedly is, well, how could they all be colluding together? How could this whole thing be a worldwide, um, you know, uh, deception? And, uh, and I would like to, for myself and for other people also, learn how you, you had some really fabulous questions uh, to, to open people's minds to cause a little bit of that cognitive dissonance that says, it doesn't necessarily make them see, become wide awake. What it does is, is like it, it starts to question, it starts to crack that, that, um, that facade that they've been living behind, that this is the truth and it's not. So if you could, if you could speak to that, I would really appreciate it. I know we have John too on, I don't mean to usurp that, but um, I know John's out there too. I see it in the chat here. So. Well, um, this is, uh, I learned this because I was trying to figure out, I had a friend whose wife uh, left him and joined a cult. And it, it was, I did it, I learned it actually out of compassion and trying to figure out if this happened to me, how would I get my loved one out of a cult? And so I studied all the different methods that were used in uh, exiting people from cults. And the more successful methods were actually trying to help that participant have their cognition come back online by asking specific questions, not telling, not educating, not shaming, not trying to like just listen to their delusions, but um, seriously trying to ask specific questions that you expected them to respond back to. So not just for them to mull over, but really specifically to say, hey, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't expect an answer right now, but I'd like to talk to you when I come by next week and see and have a discussion about the question that I asked you. And what it does is it puts the responsibility on their lap so that they, uh, people never want to look foolish. So they'll actually think about it for a while, maybe a couple of days, maybe they'll even procrastinate looking into that um, answer for that question. But if they come back with, yes, I thought about it, and, you know, you're right, I had to go look at this information to get the answer, and I had to think about it this way or that way, then the next discussion can have another layer of a question about it. So if you ask them, say, well, for, you know, what what is it about um, this reality that makes you feel like the government is there for your health and safety? Like, what part of that is true for you you know where is that in your reality because that means they have to think about well what what is the government and how does it make it make me feel safe or how how are they um there for me what is the evidence of that or you could ask things like um did you know any of the history of um viruses and how they came to be you know and they'd be like oh well no i don't really know that at all Maybe I should go look into that, you know, or do you know who this particular person is? Do you know who Antoine Béchamp is? Or do you know who Royal Raymond Rice is? Or do you know who Gaston Nathans is? Or any of these people, um, 
a question like that and say, let's talk about Gaston Nason's next time I see you and see what you think about him. You know, it might, if they're deep in the paradigm, you might not get the answer that you're hoping for, but every time you do that, you basically take a little pin and a little hammer and you make a little crack in their foundation of their lie. And as you continue to do that, eventually all it will take is one more pin and that will be the one that shatters the illusion. Um, and people will say they'll just get an aha moment and it'll all come together like a bunch of puzzle pieces. Mm, yeah. So, right. I mean, I think one of the mistakes that, that is made in, in this circumstance is that people come on, they're, they're awake and they so desperately want everyone else to wake up around them and they come on it's too hard and people just shut them off. And I, I say to people, you know, the way to do it is to, to open up the discussion to cause themselves to question their own belief, not for you to change it, but for them to, to begin to go, well, wait a minute, that, that doesn't make sense. Does it? Let me think about that. Um, and then, you know, to not necessarily go for the jugular right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes, um, sometimes, it's appropriate to like I did a rant today on YouTube. I called I called it enough is enough because I had an experience today of two individuals which clearly were of a low IQ and unable to understand basically any anything I was saying. Um, and I, as a result, I changed my policy in my store. And um, people who wear masks are not allowed. You no, know, are no longer allowed inside my store. Um, as a result, because. Uh, first of all, these individuals were acting suspicious. I can't, um, I don't have cameras um, for stealing or anything in my store, but they could easily steal something and I wouldn't know who they were. Um, and so there's a whole aspect of, of, of that, um, you know, hiding from, from getting caught in some action. Mm. And also they were disrupting the energy in the, in the space. Um, but they really were unable to hold a logical conversation. And uh, so I gave them a tough love moment. And sometimes that's appropriate as well, because there is a method in exiting the cult that uses shock as a tactic to do it. Sometimes it works, but it has a high failure rate. But there are appropriate um, situations where giving a very strong Shakti energy to that person can shake them out of a, a slumber or uh, affect their adrenals in a way that they might get a uh, an alert brain for a moment, you know, because they're in almost like a fight or flight moment where they have to make a decision on how they're going to act. So sometimes you can get valuable information in with some of the shock methods as well. I have seen that because actually I have that, I don't have a store, but I have that policy around me. Oh no no no! Mm -hmm. This is a no mask zone. Or if you, if you, I've had um, I've been working at my warehouse. Uh, you know I, you you must you must have a uh, no mask on, or otherwise you can't. And I find them putting it back on, and it's like a habit. And it's like oh no no no, Let, let's talk about this. Why are you putting that back on? Do you know what's going on? So um, anyway, we have a caller, John. So can can you bring John on? John, there you are, John. Yes. Hi, Dr. Balmer. You've been a great guest, very informative, and I can see we need to get you on more than one time. Um, I 
just want to sort of continue the direction that the conversation is going about how how do we wake people up? And uh, when you mentioned Shakti, it really showed me that you're someone with a spiritual dimension to you, and not just the the, the left brain analytical side. And I liked your analogy of, of a cult. And unfortunately, cults implode, and a lot of cults end in mass suicide. And I'm wondering if you know the vaccine is going to be the cool light that some people are going to take. Uh, but to get more positive, um, you know, I think there are going to be different techniques for different people. Some people might respond to information and so forth. My particular interest has been people that are quote unquote spiritually oriented, who happen to be most of my friends and they're in spiritual groups. And what I find is that they're difficult to reach because by the very nature that they're in a, in a, in a spiritual group, is they tend to place a lot of uh, trust in authority figures, just happens to be their local guru. And if the local guru is going along with the pandemic, as most of them seem to be, they're not speaking up. You know, the question is, how do you, how do you reach those things, people? And it almost seems like spiritual leaders need to be addressed also in some way. Um, before you can get to the devotees. Would you like to speak about that at all? I mean, I have, I have, I, I know heart-centered meditation really works because love um, casts out fear, and fear is really the ingredient that's used in mind control. So, you know, certain meditation practices are very good for getting one out of the fear mode, but many meditation techniques are just a form of self-hypnosis and programming that, cult leaders use. So, you know, there's the issue. I, I, I'm running out of time, so I just want to tap your wisdom and let you respond. Thanks, John. Um, yeah, it, it, you're right. It'll be different approaches for different groups. I mean, uh, even Sadhguru, he believes the virus hoax too. Um, but just because these individuals meditate a lot and have um, certain spiritual practices, it doesn't mean that they're fully self-realized and they're fully awake, right? Um, that takes also diligence. It's not just one thing that has to happen. You have to continually question your belief systems. You can't settle into anything. And that's what happens in a lot of these um, these dharmic situations where you have a sangha or you have a group of individuals that are surrounding a guru um, I practiced Tibetan Buddhism, for example, for a number of years, quite formally with a Tibetan monk. And the Sangha that was around him or the group of practitioners, there was no way they were evolving beyond where they were at. Once I was done my studies, I felt I had to move on because I was being stagnated by just repeating the behaviors and that the, the individuals were repeating the rituals because it was something was familiar to them. They wanted a comfort out of it. They weren't looking for spiritual growth anymore. They were looking for something that was like family connection and, and repetition because that made them feel safe. You see, we've been used in a lot of different ways for our desire to feel secure and safe. Uh, rather than being brave and going out on the edge continually. And that's how I live my life. I'm always out on the edge. I, it's okay to feel the fear and do it anyway. And people are afraid of fear. They're afraid of pain. 
Um, I mean, I had a baby and I'm not afraid of pain anymore. Um, I don't like pain, but I'm definitely not afraid of it because I realized that that was like the amount of pain that I experienced was breaking multiple bones so that I could go through that to the other side and feel stronger. And when we go through challenging experiences, which I think is what we're going through right now, we're being tested to see, okay, here's some pain for you. Are you able to transmute this pain and go through the eye of the needle and come out the other side and with your empowerment intact, where you actually realize how strong you are and you realize how much you have within you? Or are you going to sit back in your little belief system and your fake security and in your safety and stop growing? Because life never ends with the growing, okay? And right now, we're, we've got stagnant, and this is shaking us out of our stagnation. And that's the good news, and that's why we created this uh, from a 5D perspective. We created this pandemic as a whole because we were getting way too in a rut of uh, we're, we're happy but we were still stuck. And now we're going to get to the real stuff that, you know, the truth is coming to light, the, the realizations, the new connections to our soul families and our soul groups. And so those people just love them, you know, just love them and just listen to them and hold space for them. And, at, and the main thing is work on you. All you can change is you. So just keep growing, keep pushing the edge of yourself, keep Go dive into the pain, dive into the discomfort, feel what you feel, allow yourself to express what you feel, you know, transform yourself through that, become stronger through that. And then other people will model it. Other people will see that and they'll want that, or they'll get a spark inside them, or you'll hold space for them to be able to do it. And they'll become brave and they'll become transformative. And that's, that's the best thing that we can do. Don't worry about the others, worry about you transforming continue to expand and by virtue of your vibrational shift you will pull others up with you i, I agree 100 percent and uh, i would add to that to network with people that are awake and of like mind i think that's what you were mentioning earlier to form communities with people that are awake and open to the truth to to form the nucleus of you know a new system a new a new planet because that's what I seems like we're at a, a junction where it's shep, where there's a separation going on between those that are um, wedded to external authority versus those that are willing to live from the internal authority or the you know the true self and that mm -hmm. seems like those who are, are stuck on external authorities are going to just go along with wherever this wherever this is leading you know um, and those who are brave enough and courageous enough to follow the inner guidance, the true self uh, within, they'll be the, the spiritual leaders of, uh, of a new society. So that's, you know, I agree with you. I can't, can't waste energy with people that are, you know, on that trajectory of authority worship, mm -hmm. external authority. Yeah. yeah, we're getting there. We're at the end now. Yeah, you. you're very good. You uh, hope we can have you back on again soon. <laughs> Thanks, John. Well, I'm definitely celebrating that there are a lot of us who are waking up to where getting there. It's not feeling so lonely anymore. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. 
I think we're eventually going to have this happen naturally. That's what I see. As you continue to work on yourself, the tribe comes forward. They become, they'll come right to your door. So just keep doing the work in it and it'll come together. And I think also by working on ourselves, we are, if there are parallel universes, which I suspect there are, we're moving into the universe that we are choosing by our attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. As you increase your frequency, then you become um, more mature in your um, manifestation abilities and your other higher senses and gifts come online. And then you have more power to make your world different and better and how you want it. And so that's why working on yourself is so important because then you're going to create the reality that you want rather than get sucked into the dystopia that's being created by the the other the negative or shadow side. I am so grateful that you came on tonight, Amanda. <laughs> the real gift you bring. Because this this balance you're doing between the hard science and I mean hard in terms of things that are challenging to look at and the expanded view of where we can go with it. And I appreciate that perspective. Thank you. Well, that's really, we're becoming uh, Renaissance men and women where we have multiple skill sets and we can dance from one, from science into art and we can use both sides of our hemispheres and we can uh, realize how much we have to really offer and uh, grow into. And uh, that's, this is what was happening now. This is where we're headed into a really beautiful place. Wow, I love, I love that perspective. Renaissance, we are Renaissance people. Mm-hmm. I think as we're tapping more and more to our multidimensional self, it's inevitable that we will be taken out of these little cubbies, and we have a perspective that's 360 by 360, mm-hmm. multidimensional. It's like going from black and white to color vision. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's so we can rejoice in that despite the fear, despite what it looks like on the outside. This is how it, disease transforms. The mess in the chaos is necessary in order to see what you have before you so you can clean it up and just make decisions to change your reality. If you don't see it, how do you know it's there to even be changed? Or if you ignore it, right, then how can you make the, the differences? You can't. So the mess is before us, except our mess. And now that's part of empowerment to be able to see and to be able to transform it. I want to thank you, Amanda, for bringing these gems to us. We're at a close now. You've been listening to Amanda Vollmer, and we are definitely looking back to bringing you as a guest on the other side of the news. Good night, all. Good night.